0: Well, hey, church, as always, it's good to be together today. I hope that you're enjoying your summer. Um, I was in California for a few weeks, and uh, we were able to go to several places in California where the weather was always sunny in the 70s. I didn't know there was such a thing that was possible. It was amazing. And then we ended up in this spot called Palm Springs on Palm Desert. And the temperatures actually reached 120. And for the first time in my life, I said, bring me back to Laredo. I didn't know it could be hotter, and now I've turned the ACF. I don't even need the degrees I needed before. I'm like leveled off. Uh, Laredo's not as bad as we think, but I hope that you're staying cool. I hope you're finding a pool somewhere, enjoying the summer, and it's good for us to be together today. Uh, If you've been here in the last couple weeks, you know that we're going through a series looking at the parables of Jesus, and this morning we find ourselves in Luke 15, uh, verse 11, looking at the parable of the prodigal son. And as you turn there, I want to set the context for us. Uh, the context is always important as we open any scripture. And in this context, each of these parables that Jesus is teaching has a point. He's responding to something. Here in Luke 15, uh, we're get, we read in the beginning of the chapter in verses 1 and 2 uh, that the, fa- the tax collectors... Uh, And the sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. But the Pharisees and the religious leaders and scribes were grumbling at this, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, as in our day and especially in their day, to eat with somebody was a sign or a showing of friendship. And the Pharisees were not having this friendship that Jesus was offering to the tax collectors and the sinners because they were thinking, hey, these guys are unclean. They need to get their act together. They need to get their stuff right and then come to God. And we know in the book of Luke and throughout the Gospels that Jesus' mission was to come to seek and to save who? The lost. The sinners. And so they're fellowshipping with Jesus, uh, and yet the Pharisees are grumbling about this. And so Jesus, in Luke chapter 15, launches into three stories or three parables. And he tells the story of the lost coin, of the lost sheep, and then of the prodigal or the lost son. And in each case, uh, the coin was lost, and when it was found, there was celebrating. And there was a sheep that was lost, and when it was found, there was celebrating. And the son was lost or rebelled and strayed, and he came back and was found. There was celebrating. The woman, when her coin was found, she told all of her friends about it. She rejoiced, and she got excited. And we're going to see in today's story that when the father's son returns, he throws a party and he celebrates. But again, the Pharisees didn't join in. So I want to pause here and I want to ask you a question this morning. And the question I want to ask is uh, a very good one. Have you ever lost something before? Have you ever lost something and then found it? Classic example is the keys, maybe in your hand. Uh... But have you ever lost your keys when you're trying to rush out the door in the morning and, how do you, and you, you want to be somewhere on time and you can't find them? And how do you feel in that moment when you find them? Have you maybe ever lost something very valuable like a wedding ring? Uh, and, and I have a, a story of, of one of my friends that they actually lost it and found it out on the street somewhere. I mean, praise God. Can you imagine... How delighted they they were when they saw that sparkle in the street and stopped and found it. Never thought they would find it again. Have you ever lost something valuable to you? Found it again. And I want you to think right now. What emotions did you feel in that moment? How did you react? Who did you tell? What was your response? Probably there was some celebrating. But it's... The Pharisees were not celebrating at the things that Jesus was celebrating. He launches it into one of the most profound stories in Scripture that we're going to read this morning. And he's saying to them, you religious leaders, your response to what's happening through my ministry is very different than heaven's response. While heaven is rejoicing, you all Or grumbling. I have a story for you. Verse 11. He tells the story. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And the father does it. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there... He squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. A Jewish son feeding pigs, unclean pigs. It doesn't get lower than that in life. Almost as if this man in the country was rubbing it in his face, giving him the lowest possible job he could. And verse 16, and as he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but nobody gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. (laughs) But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf. Bring the best one out and kill it and let us celebrate and eat. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate now the oldest son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants to ask him what these things meant what's going on i can hear the 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 celebration i can hear the music verse 27 and the servant said to him your brother has come than what the father was doing for his brother. Verse 30, But when this son of yours, not my brother, but this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, your brother, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Church, each member of this story contributes significantly to our understanding of it, to its meaning. The father gives us a picture of, the, of our father in heaven. The prodigal pictures a sinner who repents. And the older son or brother pictures the attitude of the Pharisees in not desiring to see sinners turn to God. And Jesus is defending his right as Lord to associate with sinners for the sake of the gospel. We see in this story that the younger brother comes and he says to his dad, Hey dad, it's time for me to be a man. I want what's coming to me. And I don't want it on your timing or God's timing. I want it now. Now reading this, you may be hearing what was just said in this parable and saying, what? Really? And the Pharisees heard it the same way as they would have heard this story. Jewish teaching forbid that a child receive their inheritance from their parents until their parents had passed. So essentially... This prodigal son is saying to his dad, Dad, I just want your stuff. Give it to me now. I wish you were dead. And amazingly, the father does it. He gives him his stuff. Now I want to ask us another question. Church, have you ever been used by somebody? And was that somebody that, that maybe used you A family member. My children are small, and so my pain with them is small, but I've heard that nobody has more opportunity to break your heart or hurt you than your children. Why? Because it's who we love the most. Have you ever been hurt by a child, by a family member? So there's an expectation as we read this story on the part of the listener. That when the son comes back, the dad is going to respond by saying, what did you say to me, son? You want what? Get out. Get out. Don't insult me like that. Think of how brokenhearted the father must have been to have heard those words from his son that he just wanted his stuff. I just want what you can give me for from, from my life. And the son, and what the father had to do for the son took time and effort. It's not like he just had it sitting in the bank. He took what he had and he sold a third of it to give to his son. Two-thirds in Jewish tradition went to the firstborn and the rest to the other siblings. And so he received his third, and the father went and sold his stuff, which was time-consuming and difficult. And not only did he suffer the humiliation of the rejection of his son, but he suffered the rejection and the humiliation of making himself lower in everyone else's eyes as his estate shrunk. And he was willing to do it. This story tells us a story of a father who was willing to let the sinner go his own way. At great emotional pain. Can you imagine the father's pain? What's our response when someone hurts us as humans? What would have been the father's response? Our response to being hurt is to hurt back. But this amazing thing happens in the story. The father is able to maintain closeness with his child. Again, at great personal hurt, pain, and sacrifice. All of us want this idea in life that the light is always on. That the door is always open. That there's always a seat at the table. Why? Because it takes a lot of courage in relationships to go to someone and say, I was wrong. But it's a lot easier to do it when we know that we will be welcomed back into relationship. So the sun goes off and he blows the money and he wastes it. And then a famine hits the land to make matters worse. And he's at the lowest of lows, doing the most disgraceful thing he can do in his culture, feeding unclean animals, and the food that they're eating is better than what he has. He's at a low point. And it shows us the dire circumstances that our sin, that any sin, will lead us to and produce in life. But the text tells us in verse 17 that he came to himself. He came to himself. He realized, what have I done? What have I lost? What have I gained? What do I have? The pigs are eating better than I am. Can you relate to this? I know that I can, and not just in the extreme ways in moments of my life that I've rebelled against God, but even in the small as well. You see, church, there is a plaudible trajectory to our life when we pursue things in this world that we think will bring us significance or we think will bring us pleasure. And when we pursue things apart from God for our significance, for our identity, for our pleasure, we end up in a spot. And I've been there more times than I'd like to admit, where we end up asking ourselves, what have i become is this who i really am those pursuits leave us empty but the truth is that when we are broken it is beautiful when we surrender to christ we are free jesus tells us that if we want to find our life we need to lose it we need to give it away that he's given it to us And that we can and need to freely give it back to him. This son was trying to find his life apart from the father. And now he's lost it. And the first step in repentance, the first step in contrition, is to deal with reality. And so he deals with reality. He deals with his circumstances. And he says to himself, I'm going to make a plan. He actually humbles himself and says, I'm going to go back to my dad. And I'm going to say, I've sinned against heaven and earth. And you know what? I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just treat me like a hired servant. He has a posture of humility. Forget the sonship part. I knew I blew that when I took a third and what I said to you and what I did. That's wasted. But let's just create a transactional relationship. I'll work for you and you pay me because in my mind I know that's better than what I have now. Don't even treat me like one of your household servants. You see, in their culture, there was family, and then there was household servants, and the household servants knew they were always taken care of because they ate their meals with the family, and they lived with the family, and they always had a place, but then there was also hired servants, and that was kind of how we work today. You get a check, you go back to your house, you make your own meal, and you're on your own, and, and he says, let's just create a transactional relationship like that. Uh, I, I'll go my own way at the end of the day, and the family will go that way. Treat me like a hired servant. You see, the the son had lost his true identity. And it made it much easier for him to think he could approach his father if he said, let's create some expectation in this relationship. He might welcome me back. I'll work. You pay me. But the dad sees his son far away and runs to him. Runs to him as he returns and comes home. In that day, and just like today, but especially then, it was undignified for an older man to run. It meant that he didn't have his affairs in order. If he had to be running somewhere, that something was off. And he would have had to lift up uh, his robe and what he was wearing. And this father was willing to embarrass himself in the beginning to sell part of what he owned and lower his social standing, lower his wealth. Be embarrassed and, and, and hurt watching his son's uh, sinful actions and he's willing to embarrass himself again the moment he sets eyes on his son he's not full of anger he's not full of unforgiveness he's not unwelcoming he sees his son coming back and he runs to him thinking I don't know what could happen to him I know people are angry at him for things he's done maybe the father's thinking he needs to protect him but he's running to him in love He doesn't care what other people think. And the son approaches the father and begins, as we read there, to say, I'm sorry. But the dad cuts him off. And he says, no, 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 no. Bring the robe. Bring the ring. Bring the shoes. No son of mine should look like this. And what's happening when he says those things is that that robe and that ring They were a symbol of being a member of that family. And he's saying, no, 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 no. You're not going to be a hired servant. You're not even going to be a servant who lives in this house, a household servant. You're my son. Immediately, he welcomes him back. And he says, get the rags off of him. That's not what a son of mine looks like. This is what a son of mine looks like. Let's throw a party. Let's throw a celebration. I thought my beloved was dead. But he is alive. He is found. That is my boy. So again, church, his son had lost his identity. Listen carefully for a moment to what I'm about to say. You as well as I know that we live in a time in our day and age where there is a tremendous amount of confusion. Confusion over gender, confusion over sex, confusion over where to get our significance, our value, our worth from, to find our purpose, who we are, what we're here for. And the Bible tells us, this story tells us, that the further we remove ourselves from our Father, the further we remove ourselves from our true identity, that the, the further we move away from God, the more, and what he says is true, the more and more and more lost we will be in our real identity. And that's why there's so much confusion in the world today, because the world is moving further and further away from the Bible, from reading it, from knowing it, from opening it, from letting it be read, and seeing what does God say that is true? Because it's God that gives identity and purpose in life. When we move close to the Father, we are made whole, we're restored, our identity is restored. So that was the first response. That was the Father's response to the prodigal son, the son that left. But we read of another prodigal son, the second response. The brother is out in the field and he hears that his brother's returning. but his heart isn't in it. He's angry. Unlike the father, he'd been holding on to bitterness for whatever amount of time that his brother was gone, thinking, look at all we lost. Look at all the stuff we had and it's gone because of you. Look at the shame you've brought on our family through your actions. Disgraceful. And he'd been faithful, working, working, doing what was right. He wasn't having it. And he says to his dad, and we can read in the text his words Look, does any good conversation start that way? Most of the time not. Look, Dad, I have always been faithful. Where's the party for me? He's bitter. But you see, he was just using his dad too, differently. He just thought, hey, if I do what's right, then you owe me dad he wasn't in true relationship he wasn't loving his family he wasn't broken hearted over his brother he was bitter over his brother he thought because I've been obedient you owe me and the father said to him son but everything I have is yours in fact knowing the culture in the day he would have kept two thirds of it and all of what remained in the estate was what the the brother was always going to receive anyways it was all his and the father says to his firstborn he said isn't it right that your your blood your brother who we thought was dead who was gone who was lost who was wayward he's back he's back isn't it right that we pause everything and throw the biggest party that's ever been thrown isn't it right that we celebrate read on what does the older brother say we don't know we don't know because the story doesn't tell us you know why because jesus had already made his point this story was told in response to religious leaders and religious people in jesus day who weren't celebrating the lost who were coming back to find their way who were coming back to Christ. When when, when heaven was celebrating, they were grumbling. And this response was told to their complaining about Jesus reaching out to those that were far from God. So I want to ask us another question in response to this second brother. Church, has there ever been someone in your life that you didn't think was worth finding? That didn't deserve to be found. I want you to think: has there ever been anyone who's hurt you deeply that when their name is spoken, you just kind of cringe because you remember what they did or what they said. What emotions come to your mind right now as I'm asking about this person or this? people the Pharisees they believed that the unrighteous the ones that had done wrong deserved to be suffering because they believed that their nation was suffering because of their actions that God's judgment had come upon them and they were under Rome because people were sinning and they weren't turning back to God and, and they were bitter and they were angry at the behavior of the people around them they were unforgiving And in fact, when we read in this story, you know, did this younger brother deserve to be celebrated? He was a jerk. He broke all the rules. Think of what he said to his dad. Think of what he did. Think of how he squandered the family's resources. He was a jerk. He didn't deserve to be found. Much like people that have hurt us, he deserved to be forgotten because of the pain that he had caused. And that's how the brother felt. of God, they deserve to be found no matter the sin. and So I want to ask us a few questions as we wrap up our time this morning. How have you maybe been in your life like the older son, unwilling to forgive someone? And is there any way, church, that we can be more like our Heavenly Father and keep a heart that's open? ready to forgive with a posture ready of forgiveness it must have taken this father agonizing work day in and day out to not stay bitter at what his son had done but to stay broken by it which is a beautiful thing a hard thing we don't want for it but a hard thing to say i'm hurt and i'm broken but I love God's will and I love this person and I can't wait till they come back and I'm praying for them to come back and I'm praying for restoration of what should be right. But I also want to ask us, have you been like the younger son? Do you recognize your need this morning? Have you squandered the, the things that God's given to you? And, and I think we tend to think of just the extreme here, but are you squandering in small ways too? Is there small ways of faithlessness? wanting your time a blessing now rather than just being patient? Are you far off from the community of God? He didn't go and commit those sins right by his family. He left where nobody's eyes were on him. Do you need to return to the family of God? Do you need to return to remembering God's love for you? If you have contrition, if you have repentance, God is waiting with open arms this morning. Or maybe like me, is there a little bit of both? like the younger son and the older son and how can we return to god what does our church look like if we constantly have that posture a couple months ago i was doing some gardening and i was watering some plants out in the the yard i guess i hadn't taken care of a few of them too good and i noticed how one of them was kind of dying and I was like thinking like, ah, did I just yank it out and throw it away and start over? But, but it was still kind of alive. And I was, I was mourning at the time. At the same time that I was outside, I was, I was thinking in that moment of some ways that I'd sinned. And I was, I was kind of over myself at the moment. And I was kind of thinking like, dude, really? Again? And I was questioning a little bit God's love for me. And I saw that little plant. And I, my first response was like, no, I just give it a little bit of soil, give it a little bit of water, give it a little bit of sunlight. This thing is going to pop right back. And it's like God spoke to me in that instant. I love you. I'm, I'm broken heart over your sin too. But I'm not going to throw you away. Church, God is not going to throw you away, nor does he want us to throw anyone. Father, we thank you for this parable. We thank you for this story told so many times and deserving to be told so many more. I don't know what you did and what you're doing in each person's heart this morning, but it's our prayer, my prayer that you do something in us, God, that we would have your heart and we wouldn't be like the world and hurt and hurt back, but that we would be like you, reaching open arms for your forgiveness, for your love running towards you, running towards your word, running towards your family and eager to welcome others into your family. We pray all these things in your name and everyone at Grace said, amen and amen. Thank you, church.